to Connecting Citizens to Science, a podcast from the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine about engaging communities in global health research. I'm Kim Ozano. And I'm Bea Eggard. And throughout this series, we'll be talking to researchers from around the world, exploring how they connect with people to address a range of challenges in global health. Welcome to the third series of the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. In this series, we have been exploring how different approaches have been applied in multiple contexts to connect people and communities with better prevention, diagnosis and treatment of tuberculosis. In this episode, we will be focusing on treatment strategies, looking at challenges and opportunities. We know that TB has been around for thousands of years, and it is only in the last 80 years that we have learned how to treat TB with antibiotics. Fortunately, most cases of TB can be cured. But the medicines used for TB treatment are not always easy to take or easy to access. Some of the treatment courses are long and are often complicated. So today we're going to discuss the challenges of TB treatment and the need for change. I am here with my co-host. Welcome again, Rona. How are you today? Thank you, Kim. Really good to be with you here again today. Good day to all our listeners, wherever you're joining us from. It is exciting to be back speaking with our experts from whom we learn so much each time. So yes, like Kim pointed out, I'm a senior lecturer of public policy at the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine. And I'm also with the policy unit at the Malawi Liverpool Welcome Clinical Research Program based in Blanter, from where I'm joining today. I qualified as a medical doctor two decades ago. That's so long ago, isn't it? And after several years as a researcher, I'm now involved in knowledge translation and public policy. Uh, so through my clinical work, research and public policy, mostly in low and middle income countries, I've interacted with the topic of tuberculosis in several ways. And I'm so excited to widen that knowledge even more today in conversation with our experts. Kim, it's really good to be here today. Oh, it's so nice to see you. Always a pleasure. And in our third episode, it's going so quickly. So the episode focus this week is on treatment, as we've already mentioned, and we have Tameo Matenga and Naomi Walker with us. Welcome both. It's really nice to uh, see you. Naomi, we'll start with you. How are you today, wherever you are? And uh, tell us a bit about yourself and the work that you do. Hello, and thanks so much for having me on this episode. Um, My name is Naomi Walker. I'm a senior clinical lecturer at Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine, and I'm here today in Liverpool speaking to you. Um, I've been working on tuberculosis for many years now. I trained as a medical doctor and specialised in infectious diseases, and my training has taken me all over the world, really. Um, But I have spent quite a bit of time working as a doctor in um, high TB burden countries, um, Tanzania, Uganda and South Africa um, um, specifically. And it's really been my work with TB patients, sharing the journey with them of their diagnoses and then trying to um, support them being established on TB treatment that inspired me to work um, as a researcher, trying to find ways of improving and outcomes for patients with TB. And um, I did a PhD where I was based in Cape Town, South Africa, and looking at how um, TB causes immune mediated tissue damage. And now my work focuses on trying to take that understanding into improving TB treatments for patients. 
Um, so really excited to be here with you today and sharing some of the work that we've been doing. Thank you so much, Naomi. I really love the idea of sharing journey with patients. And, you know, this this whole series is about how we connect with people and communities and having that firsthand experience and one on with TB patients is is really useful for our listeners and myself and Rona to, to learn about and uh, hear more about. It also sounds like you have experienced in a lot of different contexts, and we would really like to understand how those different contexts um, play out and kind of influence the uh, journey that you've just spoke about for patients. So we'll look forward to hearing more about that. Um, Tameo, welcome. Uh, how are you today? And tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. My name is Timeo Ntenga, as Kim said. I'm a clinical clinician with a medical and clinical research background. Currently, I'm working on HIV TB study at Zomba Central Hospital. Um, this study aims to test new methods of screening and diagnosing TB. And also, I'm involved in another ITB TB alert study which was introduced to explore the immune response of individuals initiated on TB treatment. Uh, beside this, my previous experience in clinical research also includes involved in a mad country, double-blinded, randomized HIV-TB clinical study, which aims to test the use of urine to screen and test for TB. So, the results of this study contributed to national policy formulation and the use of urine lamp, and it also informed other international partners like World Health Organization. Thank you. That's really interesting. And it's good that we have kind of this mix of experience and background as well, and that you've been involved in, in trials and clinical studies, but not only uh, you know, in a pilot situation, but you've changed policy in, in different contexts, which is really interesting for us to understand as well. So thank you for um, sharing that. So at the beginning of each episode, we really like to understand what are the challenges you think that communities and people face when trying to connect with uh, research and science and, and medicine generally. So we, um, Tameo, you talked about Malawi. I think the hospital you mentioned there is, is in Malawi. So perhaps you could start by talking to us about that context a little bit and, and the challenges faced by people and communities that are affected by TB in those areas. Okay. Like I already said, in high burden settings, many patients who are on TB treatment are already on it, are also taking ARD, antiretroviral therapy for HIV. They take it soon after studying TB treatment or later on. So, as you, as you know, the bacteria that causes TB is resilient to many antibiotics. So, the treatment for TB is a combination of different drugs. Like in our setting, it's a combination of four different drugs that are taken in two months in the initial phase of studying TB treatment. And also then there's a combination of two drugs that are taken for four months. And the, the same goes with, with HIV for someone who is HIV positive and is taking the RT. It's also a combination of drugs that is composed of three different drugs taken for life. So in this case, you can literally see that those patients who are taking TB treatment faces a lot of challenges in terms of 
side effects in terms of puberty, in terms of drug interactions with other medications. And also on top of that, TB patients, they stay longer in the hospital and they are socially isolated from their families and friends before they get stable and go home and discharged home. So even at home, you could also see that those TB patients, they are still weak. Most of the times unable to do their daily work activities to support their families and the communities. And also adding to that every month, they have to go to a health facility to refill the treatment for TB and also be monitored for drug adherence and the response to treatment. So this is burdensome to low socioeconomic status and bedridden patients. Thank you. I think you've raised quite a lot of challenges there. And, and it sounds like the combinations of drugs are uh, kind of really quite difficult and to manage and a lot of visits to health facilities in those areas as well. Um, Naomi, I know you've worked in a, you're working in a similar context. What are some of the barriers to accessing both those health facilities and medicines in, in, in those contexts? Um, I think Timeo's summed up really well the, the challenges. I think, um, you know, we take, we know that the organism Mycobacterium tuberculosis tends to make people ill with TB quite slowly. And, you know, similarly, the, the treatment, whilst in some people can make them feel a lot better quite quickly, in other people, it does take some time for them to feel better. And we know that at the point in which people receive a diagnosis of TB, and they may have been ill for some time, and the TB bacteria might um, have already done quite a lot of damage. And again, to a great extent, people recover and feel a lot of a lot better but I think it's really under recognized how people that have you know suffered with TB have long-term effects that 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 don't get better quickly with with TB treatment or that cause kind of long-term um health um compromise and so the um we really try are trying to understand more about how to support people after they receive their TB diagnosis improve treatment so that the the effects of TB treatment itself aren't causing further um, problems for patients and get you know get them better as quickly as possible and give them all the support that they need to do that we know that outcomes from TB treatment are good overall but um treatment success rates across the board are still um estimated to be in the 80 85% and for people living with HIV who have a TB diagnosis, the treatment success rates are lower. And so um, particularly um, trying to um, understand the challenges people living with HIV and TB have and trying to target new treatment strategies um, for that group of patients, I think is really important. Thank you. You've brought out a whole different um, area that maybe I hadn't considered about is, you know, that TB and uh, patients who's, who are experiencing TB, uh, that's not only the health problem, that quite often they are also living with HIV. Is, is that quite common then? So um, we know that people with weakened immune systems are particularly susceptible to TB. In fact, anybody who's exposed to TB can be affected. But um, having a weakened immune response for a whole host of reasons um, is, is, is a risk factor for developing TB disease 
and for being more unwell with TB. Um, and we know that the HIV virus affects the immune system. And whilst the antiretroviral therapy that we use to treat HIV is very, very effective at improving um, um, the health and, and the immune status of people with HIV, across the world, um, people living with HIV are um, really um, at risk of, of the worst um, consequences of TB. And we also know that other chronic health conditions such as diabetes and problems with malnutrition are other um, uh, and other chronic illnesses can also um, predispose people to the you know worst effects of TB. Thank you. I think that's really given us a great introduction to the episode and, and the focus of today, both in terms of context and, um, uh, you know, multiple morbidities and, and complications from other health conditions. I think your study that you're going to talk about is in relation to uh, TB and HIV. So I will hand over to Rona to explore that a little bit more. Rona, please. Thank you, team. Um, thank you, uh, team and Naomi. Um, we already have a little bit of insight, you know, in, in, in the kind of work you've been doing, uh, dealing with this, uh, TB, HIV situations. And, uh, team, you give us a very, very good rundown on the challenges that, you know, patients might be facing taking these, uh, TB treatments. I want to explore that a little more. Uh, those challenges. Um, so you, you did speak quite a bit, uh, uh, about them for, for the individual. I, I wonder, cause, you know, at some point, um, Naomi referred to this as a journey, you know, a, a whole treatment journey. And I just wanted to explore a little more whether you have found or, you know, what challenges these patients face in connection with family, with society, you know, uh, there's taking your pills on your own. There's this, um, connection with society, especially uh, in these African societies, what challenges do the patients actually face about their treatments uh, in connection with them, you know, family, friends, societies, how they deal with them? Okay. Oh, okay. Like, I, like I said, the, prob the challenges can be individual, can be at community level, at family level. In our settings, for instance, most of the most of the people who are getting the TB are, are those people who are influential in their families, in their, in their communities. For, so for instance, at the family level, as Naomi said, that TB progresses slowly and also it takes time to recover. If someone who is very influential at the family level, who support the family, it, happen, it is affected with the TB, that also, brings the challenge of in terms of socio-economic support at the family level the person um the family is is an is not able to economically finance themselves because of of the tb yeah tim that that that's really good because we tend to look at these patients as an individual as a single statistic you know and forget that the effects even of their treatments, what they go through socially, goes well beyond them. So thank you for highlighting that. And therefore, Naomi, what do you think should be done to actually improve these TB treatments? Well, I think you know, 
um, recognising this as a problem is really important. The scientific community recognising that this is a problem um, and focusing efforts on trying to improve TB treatment. And, you know, if we compare with COVID, the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic, the other big global disease pandemic that society has faced, um, we've seen a number of new treatments um, for this very new virus um, develop over a short number of years. Whereas the TB treatments that we're using um, now for pulmonary TB in patients with, you know, the non-drug resistant forms are the same drugs treatments we've been using for the many decades now. And I really think we need as a, as a scientific community to redouble efforts to improve um, and develop treatment strategies um, to get shorter drug treatment regimens with better tolerability and, and um, drug treatments that are easier for patients to take um, and to overall try and um, shorten that path to recovery. Um, and, you know, uh, there's been, fortunately, over the last decade or so, quite a lot more effort has gone in with, and we've seen new drug treatments, particularly that we're now using for drug resistant forms of TB um, come into play. So it'd be more widely available for patients take. Um, some of the drug treatments for drug resistant forms of TB used to um, involve injections. And fortunately, that is now not um, a key component of um, treatments for drug resistant forms of TB because the injections, which you can imagine, were difficult for patients to take, painful, required um, increased health service interventions and had side effects that were very difficult to tolerate. What we're also interested in doing is looking at different strategies um, for controlling TB and controlling the disease process. So all of the treatments that we use currently focus on killing the TB bacteria. But we are looking at in our current study and, and as are others in the scientific community, trying to develop ways of enhancing or improving the host immune response to TB so that actually we're equipping ourselves and our own immune systems to fight the TB better as well as using drugs to kill the TB bacteria and hopefully in future the combination of those strategies might overall lower the pill burden and lower the duration of, of treatment um, rather than just focusing on killing the bug itself. Uh, sounds good, Naomi. Lots of information in there. But one thing, I'm glad the injections are off the list of what I could take in case I got TB right now. I can't imagine more than one. But while you were, you know, um, explaining that, um, I think I picked up something that, that, uh, I might want, uh, our audience to get to understand a little more. You talked about non-drug resistant and drug resistant forms of TB. What is this exactly? What is this? So um, we are fortunate when we now that we understand, you know, what causes TB, we have ways of testing the effectiveness of drugs. Um, and Tomeo talked about the standard first line, sometimes called first line treatments for TB, for pulmonary TB, the most common form of TB. And that involves four drugs for the first two months and there's a standard regimen so all of our TB patients um, would get that, that treatment however we test patients where we can 
for drug resistance at the beginning of their forms or at the beginning of their diagnosis of TB. So we make the diagnosis using you often with testing of sputum samples from patients. And we have different ways in the laboratory of testing for the effectiveness of those four drugs. Um, and rifampicin and isoniazid are two of the key drugs. And, you know, we hope that everybody who's diagnosed with TB has access to drug resistance testing for those two drugs, particularly because they're the most effective drugs that we have in the regimen. If we find that, that there is resistance to, um, both of those drugs, so rifampicin and isoniazid, we know that the regimens work less effectively. And so we would be looking to give patients a different set of TB drugs to make sure that they were at the best chance of success of their TB treatment. Um, the, where you have resistance to those two um, antibiotics, rifampicin and isoniazid, that's what we call drug multi-drug resistant TB. Sounds good, Naomi. Uh, I really want now to, to, to dive into that study you sort of highlighted. You know, uh, so I would like you, Naomi, before the uh, team comes in to tell me how the study is going, I'd like to know about that study you're undertaking and how the results, you know, from this study will help. So help me understand that, Naomi. And team, you'll then come and tell me how exactly things are going. Thank you. Yes, we're really um, excited about this study that is currently um, running and um, recruiting patients in Zomba Central Hospital in um, Malawi. It's a, a collaboration between the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine, the Malawi Liverpool Welcome Programme and um, London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And this this study is really um, addressing that you know, some of the key challenges we have in designing new drug treatments, regimens for TB. So when you're considering studying, you know, a better, a better type of treatment for TB, um, the, ideally that would be tested in clinical trials involving TB patients. But these trials are actually very expensive to run. They require, um, you know, a lot of laboratory infrastructure. Um, often require a large number of patients to test um, whether the drug is effective and a very long period of follow-up. So even if you think you've got a new regimen that could be effective, trying to show that that works and that that's better than the treatment we have um, already is likely to take, you know, several years from the point in which you think you've got a safe, effective, novel regimen. And so in this study, the ITB-TBR study, um, we are trying to look at ways of more effectively working out how TB drugs work and generate information about whether TB, um, TB um, drugs are likely to be effective at an earlier stage during the, the investigation process. The ITB-TBR study stands for the Investigation of Transcriptomic Biosignatures and HIV-TB Treatment Response. It's a bit of a mouthful, but I can break that down for you now and explain a little bit more about that. So we are looking at um, um, the immune response in people who start TB treatment. So we are taking blood samples from patients um, at the time they're diagnosed with TB and at early two time points early during TB treatment. 
and using um, kind of technology that allows us to study all of the different immune pathways that are either being upregulated or downregulated in response to that TB infection and the TB treatment that follows. And um, this is this this technology is called RNA sequencing, and it allows us to study the cellular um, the cellular messenger material that um, that is coding um, the synthesis of proteins. Um, across many, many, many different molecular pathways all at the same time. So it gives us a lot of information just from one sample about how the immune response is during TB treatment. And we think if we can compare patients who are do, do really well on their TB treatment with patients who do less well, and unfortunately some patients do not survive their TB treatment, that will help us to understand Firstly, the immune response themselves, which ones associate with better outcomes and, 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 and less good outcomes, um, but also give us that signal that we need to improve the way that we test new drug treatments and allow us to speed up that process um, of, of getting to a better regimen more quickly. Does that make sense? Definitely does. It definitely does, Naomi. And, and, and I just want to applaud you for trying to break that, you know, uh, very technical language down. If I do understand, I am very sure our listeners are understanding very well as well. So team, it's been a while, you know, since uh, the work started on the study. How are things going? So far, ITBLA study is going well. Given the given that there was no direct treatment intervention associated with it, we didn't know how the community would receive it, and we questioned whether we will be able to keep up with our recruitment target. But since we started, we have noticed that we are able to meet our recruitment target, and the community have welcomed it. Uh, people are optimistic that it that the study will shed more light on the body's immune response to TB and lead to improvement of TB treatment. Other studies that we are done here, for instance, recently we just witnessed that there is an introduction of a new and more effective shorter TB prevention treatment option, which has been introduced. And so the people are more willing to see the same changes in TB treatment. Thank you, team. And, and, and that's really helpful. I, I like the part where you say, you know, the community is welcoming, you know, the efforts, because this is absolutely important. Uh, being able to find easier ways um, to, to, to shorten or to make the journey, you know, better for treatment. I think is also very important to keep adherence, you know, of, of um, treatment for, for, for the patient. So I'm glad that things are going very well and we wish you very, very, very huge <laughs> good luck uh, for the journey ahead. I'm looking to get some quick advice for those working in the area of TB now or those looking to start their careers, you know, working in TB. Of course, my, my advice will be that he... There's more to explore in order to improve the lives of people living, life of people with TB. We have, we have come a very long way and you agree with me that being diagnosed with TB 
and HIV about three decades ago, it was like sentenced to death. And the HIV TB treatment options were so limited, all people could see was death, maybe in the near future coming. So even though we are now having many options for treating TB, there are still many challenges and we still need improvement in TB treatment. You're absolutely right. There's lots and lots of work still left to do. Yet, Naomi, what would you tell my young people coming into the field today? I think from my experience, it's been um, in contact with patients um, who have TB that has really helped me direct the focus of my research and spent a lot of time trying to understand how TB works, but it's really um, important to think how does that understanding um, impact on patients so to try and keep the patient at the centre and the, the motivating um, factor for what I, you know, for, for where I take my work. Thank you, Naomi. Um, very important advice. There are very many young people listening to us and getting a lot of inspiration. And Kim, um, I would like to hand back to you to really wrap up with. Thank you, Naomi, and thank you, Tim, for such a wonderful conversation. Thanks very much, Rona. One of the things I would like to understand a bit more is how do people and communities shape science and research for TB? How, how do they have an input into the decisions that are made in your uh, research project or more widely? Okay, at the beginning of the study, we we'll, we were not sure of how people will receive it, considering that there was no direct intervention involved in the study. But we have been surprised to see that uh, people have accepted it and uh, recruited it in, into the study with the hope that it is going to highlight how our bodies respond to TB and how that can be used to improve on TB treatment. And recently, as I just said, that we have a new prevention, TB prevention treatment being introduced, which is only given for three months. Initially, it was a, it was taken like a, for life, the same way we did with the ART treatment. So with this being, with these things being introduced, it's it's giving a hope to our communities here in Zomba. Fantastic. Um, and do you feel you get to know the community and the people you work with more and more the, the longer they're involved in the study, either for this study or your previous experience? Yeah, of course, they're getting the knowledge. What we are interested more is not just to for us just to discover it, but also like we want to teach the community. We want them to, to, to know the results of of our studies. So with this study, we are planning to, we are strategizing a way of how best we can share the findings of this study to the community, which later on maybe will, will give them a positive, it will be like a positive motivation to them. Fantastic. And I think it's really important that we think about how we share findings from study in a way that is accessible for communities and people and, and useful for them as well. So. We're always really interested in different approaches that are used to, to make sure that uh, findings are fully understood and embraced by communities as well. 
And in the series one of this podcast, we really explored different tools that can be used. And I know creative methods, uh, I can just give you one example in Liberia, they used a local artist to draw the findings of the study so that they could be left in the community and access. So I think there's a lot of creative ways of doing that. So I'm really glad you brought that up to Mayo. And it sounds, Naomi, that it's really important to take the community on the journey uh, you know, from that first point of contact all the way through the journey. And so thank you for, for sharing that as well. Any final messages you'd like to say before we sign off? Shall I start with that and then maybe hand over to Tomeo? Um, I think, I mean, I found, um, you know, having worked in a number of different places in the world, um, that um, as a researcher, um, I... Um, the community of, you know, is, is, is not, the community of TB patients for me is not, you know, one community or the other. It's, it's a global, it's a global community. And, um, and I think connecting across the, the world and having a very global perspective on how to solve this problem is, is important. Right now I'm based in Liverpool and, um, you know, the community of participants are in, um, in, in Malawi and um, and I think for me it's very important that we are um, engaging with the community um, in in Zomba um, in Malawi um, because they are the, the the people that are managing to you know um, impact on this area by participating in our study um, so I think it's really important that we find ways of um, sharing um, that is particularly um, for at the stage that we're at, making sure that we're sharing the results of our studies and that with those communities and also that they are benefiting from the from the um, knowledge that we are gaining. Um, and so I think there's there's lots of different ways that we can do that. And, we, you know, we'll, we hope this podcast will go uh, to, to some way of sharing the story about this study that we're doing. But I think we also have to, you know, we have to keep in, in mind that the you know, the, the, the community that affected by TB is a global one and everything we can do to make, get this message um, as to, to reach as far as possible. And maybe I can t ask Tomeo to talk about how the, you know, the community in Zomba are, um, you know, are, are, are interacting in it with respect to the study and with other studies. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you for talking to us. Tomeo, anything? Yeah, I just wanted to concur with Naomi that thank you for giving us this opportunity. The, for giving us this opportunity, we really need to to do a lot in terms of helping our friends with TB. And what a great way to end, helping our friends with TB. I really like that statement and brings us much closer as researchers and scientists to the people who really matter in all of this. So. Rona, I've had a great time once again. Um, so thank you to our, our guests for the wonderful episode and to Rona, the amazing co-host. We shall see you next week where we will be exploring more about TV. Bye everyone, thank you. Bye.